I'm Chris Tulock, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. This is Darren Varson, and I leveled up listening to the Order 66 podcast. Whoops, wrong show. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Execute Order 66. Again, a day late, a dollar short, with nothing in our pockets to show for it. Here we are, episode 24, Order 66 podcast. This is Monday, June 30th, 2008. Welcome, Gamer Nation. I am GM Dave. What is up, Gamer Nation? I am GM Chris. And uh, we are coming to you a day late, but uh, nonetheless, happy to be here. Thank you for your patience. Yep. So, is a good thing. And uh, how are you doing, Dave? I'm all right. I'm recovering from a... Um, well, truth be told, the uh, the reason for the lateness of the podcast is the fact that I had house guests yesterday that were unexpectedly uh, staying a little bit late, and they were occupying my computer office. So I, quite frankly, was just unable to use my office and to record with five screaming children behind me looking for their wheels-off cousin who... Apparently has a MySpace page that has cigarettes on it, and their mother was going crazy. <laughs> blah 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 blah. Wheels off, family. Thank you. Anyway, um, you gotta love family. I know. I was as rude as I could possibly be to get them to leave. My wife even got mad at me for being rude, and to which I apologize. I, I was pretty freaking rude, but I was a little annoyed that um, you know I had. Look at that again. Ah, oh! two minutes and sixteen seconds in. Big um. Well. It happens, man. Yeah, I can still tell that you're still very agitated about last night, but it's okay. At the moment, gaming takes the precedence of family. Something's wrong. I do like the uh, inference on the forums that it was a Taco Cabana incident that kept me from doing the podcast. At this point in time, I think everything is going to be a Taco Cabana incident. Like, if if crap happens in my life, I'm just going to refer to it as a Taco Cabana incident. If I break my leg, if I get in a car accident, if my my wife, you know, like, you know, gets a cold, it's going to be the Taco Cabana incident. <laughs> I yeah, hey, that that works for everything as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, Dave, we got a heck of a show. We got a lot of stuff to cover for you guys today. It's amazing. We got a lot of great crunch to go through and a lot of great fluff and a lot of good fun stuff, but we're going to be talking about nothing terribly in specific. Um, right. We just got a lot of little, I guess, what would you call it? Housekeeping stuff to go through this episode. Well, this is going to be a catch-all kind of a yeah. show. Yeah, uh, we've had we've had a lot of requests from you guys, right. um, and we're going to try and implement some of them. In particular, we want to start a, a small short segment uh, that you're, we're going to preview this week, which we're going to call um, a "Gaming Guide for the Youngling." And uh, in particular, it's basically there's a lot of people that have never really played uh, Saga, much less really any even D20 systems. We got a lot of folks that listen to the cast, Dave. Right. That you know their their last Star Wars experience was back when the old Weg you know D6 system. I know. And so even the concept of a D20 system is a bit much. So we're going to start with a very elemental uh, uh, thing, you know, later on in the show, um, which is creating your first character, and we're going to talk about uh, stat generation and picking, and that'll be a good thing. That's right. But first. 
Ah, yes. It's time for some announcement. Announcements. 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 Golly. All right, everybody. We have, if you notice, uh, before we start getting the hate mail, that all of you double dipped on your iPods and your Zunes and whatever MP3 player of choice yep. this week. And there's a reason for it. We switched our feed over to Podbean because, uh, quite frankly, 200 gigabytes of uh, transfer data was a little bit more than my server provider wanted to give us without charging us uh, an arm and a leg. And a head and a firstborn child. Right, right. So uh, everything yeah. is now housed on Podbean, and the reason you got it twice is simply because the same file name, but it is... What would you say? It's it's a little bit different in the in the terms of the file structure because it's coming from a different URL technically. So the feed is a little bit different, although it's still coming to you from FeedBurner technically. And I won't get into the technical aspects of it because I don't quite understand all the technical stuff myself. But anyway, but yeah, I mean the long and short of it though is that you know a lot of our longtime listeners will recall there'll be certain instances, especially late in the month, where we might have the website go down for a period of like sometimes even as long as a day because of our bandwidth restrictions and uh, we're probably not going to have that in the foreseeable future I would imagine I don't yeah I don't think so either so we should be on a kind of an unmetered deal and yeah, so that way we thanks, can thanks to the good folks at Podbean too it, it was a really great site to sign up with and uh, easy to use and if you guys are looking to house your cast um, Podbean is uh, cost effective and um, a, a well run service so really yeah nice. so far so good you know so yeah. And we're glad y'all are listening to our cast, regardless of where it comes from. And uh, we also like to take the opportunity to mention our sister cast. If any of you guys out there are uh, interested in or already hooked on the glory, the power, and the passion that is 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons, our sister cast, Radio Free Homlet, uh, which you can get to directly from d20radio.com. Just go to the Homlet link. Um, They have their fourth cast up now. Uh, It will be up today, tonight, as a matter of fact, um, probably by the time this gets posted. And uh, they just got back from Origins, man. Right. So they've got a lot of cool, crazy stuff to talk about. I'm really excited. It's going to be an awesome, awesome cast. Yep. Very cool. More cool announcements. Dave, oh my freaking God. <laughs> um, I, I am, among my other gaming passions, Gamer Nation, I, I do play a lot of video games. And um, uh, I have for a long time. And uh, I will say my favorite next-gen system right now, out right now, is the Wii, quite frankly. It's just too much fun to play. And the expected multimedia frenzy that is revolving around the release of the Clone Wars film coming out in August, which we talked about in a previous podcast, is going to have marvelous repercussions for the holiday of 2008. Which is when, Dave, LucasArts, uh, according to their recent press release issued on June 19th, We'll be releasing Star Wars The Clone Wars Lightsaber Duels <laughs> in development by Chrome Studios exclusively for the Nintendo Wii, which, according to their release, delivers fun-filled lightsaber battles for the entire family while it immerses players in the characters' locations and epic duels of the all-new Star Wars featured film. In other words, uh, he shoots, he scores. Yeah, this really, I mean, as long as it's responsive, this can't suck. Um, I'm actually going to get to wield a lightsaber in a video game like I'm wielding a lightsaber. And uh, I'm pretty stoked about that. So I want a double-bladed purple one. 
I'll bet you do. Yeah. I'll bet you do. I- I've heard the ladies say that about you, too. Yeah. <clears throat> More announcements. Uh, new swag, man. Uh, the official Wizards of the Coast Star Wars website at wizards.com, where you can get to it, I put out enough new material last week to keep the mewling, slobbering Gamer Nation at bay for some time um, as we coo in delight over what you have wrought. Uh, huge thanks to Rodney, Gary, Patrick, and Sterling uh, for providing us whiners out here on the inner tubes with, first and foremost, the next module for the Dawn of Defiance campaign. The fifth module to come out. Very excited. I read through it. It is beautiful. I can't wait to run it. Um, a brand new Jedi counseling with some wicked rulings and errata in it, a lot of which um, uh, Rodney alluded to uh, the first time he was on our podcast. Right. Big changes, huge errata in that. And uh, there's a new message to spacers, uh, which details some stats for some hella cool battle stations, um, if you're a fan of space encounters like me. And uh, what was the last one? Oh, yeah. They KOTOR. previewed the up-and-coming KOTOR minis. Uh, which will be released fairly quickly here um, around the conjunction of the KOTOR uh, source book as well. So what would you say, Dave? Life is, life is, life is good? Grand. It I is, can't wait. It, it is grand. I, I can't wait. So check out the Wizards yep. of the Coast Star Wars official site. Um, it, is, it is made of a pure cream. That's right. <laughs> Rat alert. Spoiler alert. Ooh. Oh, yes. A new book has been leaked. On Amazon, give us the details, yeah. sir. Well, the inadvertent leakage by the off-leaking Amazon.com has let us know that March 17th, 2009 will be the release date for the Legacy Era Campaign Guide for Star Wars Saga Edition. So for those of you that are Legacy Era nuts, um, you're going to have a lot to be nutty about come March. Very cool. Yep. And thanks to our listener and forum poster, Jay, for leaking that bit, tidbit of juiciness to us. And uh, there's several others on the forums that have posted it at this point as well. So it's very, very cool. Yeah, baby. Now time for a really crazy and cool announcement. Some creative goodness. In the form of an animated film uh, directed and co-written by one of our oldest listeners, uh, Chris Lackey, or Clacky on the forums, who's out in California. Uh, Clacky has put a lot into what looks to be a very funny film called The Chosen One. Um, and if anyone is going to be at the San Diego Comic Con this July, the 24th to the 27th, our own Clacky will be there selling advanced copies and pre-screening the film. It premieres at Comic Con, folks. July 25th uh, from 4.50 to 6.25 p.m. in room 26AB if you're going to be there. This movie looks freaking hilarious. Head over to its webpage, uh, which is www.thechosenone.com, and check it out. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. And if you really uh, want to see it and don't want to shout out the clams, ah. uh, Chris has been kind enough to help us out with an up-and-coming contest. Yes. <laughs> um, he has generously offered up a free copy of the DVD of his film, The Chosen One, as a prize for a contest that we are starting today. You will see it in the D20, uh, excuse me, the uh, the Order 66 podcast request forums on D- d20radio.com uh, slash forum. And uh, basically, we're starting a contest where we would like you guys to take your hand at creating a threat. Now, this can be a beast. It can be an NPC. It can be a droid. Uh, backstory or no, really doesn't matter. Basically, something suitable for publication 
in Threats of the Galaxy. If you were to add an entry, what would you do? We'd like it to be something that could be publishable and maybe publishable and maybe a, a page, maybe two, if it's an extensive entry, uh, to give you kind of a size restriction. But we are opening that contest up tonight, and it will officially close the end of July, right after Comic-Con. And the winner... Uh, judged by myself, uh, GM Dave, and the RFH crew, hopefully, if they're willing to get their their, uh, their fingers into the mix, will receive uh, for free a uh, copy of The Chosen One. So, yeah. very, very cool. For additional contest details for this new contest, you can check out the forums, again, at d20radio.com slash forum, where you should go anyway and sign up and become a member of the Gamer Nation. Get your voice heard. And uh, we're going to have that posted up tonight, so... Get your creative juices flowing, guys. We want to see it. That's right. Otherwise, you can contact us. Send us an email, gmdave at d20radio.com or gmchris at d20radio.com. Or I think someone can leave us a bumper on the phone. Is that right? Yes. If you have any I Never Listen to the Order 66 podcast bumpers or any questions for mail call or D20 Docking Bay, you can give us a call at 206-600-5872. Lusa. L-U-S-A. And uh, we would very much love to hear from you. That's right. Well, to wrap up announcements, Dave, we have, I guess, one heck of a really cool announcement, don't we? Uh, I think so. I think so, too. Uh, live from Origins, uh, one of our own listeners, Vader's son, uh, Duncan, to those who know him, uh, is at Origins, or was at Origins this past week, um, I imagine up there with DM Tim and the RFH crew, and Vader's son has provided Order 66 with field reports from Star Wars Saga Edition games going on throughout the con, throughout the con. And, uh, well, Duncan, gosh, what, what does he have for us? Well, I'll tell you what he has. He has a couple of different reports, one from a game and then one interview with a uh, uh, Chris Tulak from Watsi. Yes. Yes, indeed. And I'm going to play him back to back. He's going to reintroduce himself, you know, keep in mind the fact that he did send these in at two different times. We didn't have a podcast, you know, in between. So, uh, uh, you know, just... Slight apology for that, but uh, he did a great job for us, and we'll get started with this right away and see you on the other side. Anxious to hear that. Hello, Gamer Nation. This is Vader's son, the Order 66 podcast, roving reporter at Origins. We just got done with a Star Wars Saga Edition game where the GM was so nice as to not show up, so we had a very impromptu session. I have the players here with me. It was, uh, I think, pretty much everybody's first time playing Saga Edition, and I just wanted to get some feedback from them. I'll let them introduce themselves. My name's Jumpy. My name is uh, Jade, and that was my character. Uh, Skeev. Angela. I was Bubbles the Destroyer. <laughs> All right, so there's the, uh, the people that we had in this adventure. Um, I just wanted to see if anybody had any thoughts about Saga Edition. Uh, well, I thought it was a pretty good system. I like it a little bit better, actually, than D20. I, I thought it was, it was less complicated than D20, which makes, which makes it easier when you're doing your combat roles and everything. Yeah, I want to put in my thanks to Vader's son for filling in for the GM who didn't show up. And he definitely made it easy to roll up characters, and we had a good time. Ditto. Yeah, it was really good. I like They fixed a lot of the holes that uh, was in the D20 system. And it was a great adventure overall. It was really easy to do. All right, there you have it, Gamer Nation. More reports to come. All right, I decided I'd cut it right there. Ah. Yeah, before we get into the interview, I... You know, it's kind of cool to have a perspective just real quick of somebody who just went through a game for their first time because 
don't know, the backstory, did he mention that these were all West End Gamer people, West End Games that had not played, really, the D20 system? Yeah, yeah, he said most of them were WEG veterans, and, like, I think one or two may have played RCR, the original D20 system, but, right. uh, um, good grief, uh, man, I mean, that's just, that's great, uh, I mean... Kudos to to Duncan for taking the time to introduce uh, uh, Saga to some some non-Saga players, and it sounds like they really enjoyed it. And uh, what a guy, man. Your GM doesn't show up, so you take it upon yourself to not deprive others of the experience and just host an impromptu game right then and there. Isn't that cool? That's that's unreal, man. Duncan, I can't wait to meet you face-to-face at Gen Con. So. That's right. He's going to be there, isn't he? Yeah, you better believe it. Well, cool. All right. Let's get to the interview with uh, Chris Tulock, and I have not listened to this, so I have no idea what's coming. Oh, me neither. I'm good excited. stuff. Yeah, here we go. Hello, Gamer Nation. This is Vader Sun, your roving reporter at Origins 2008, and I'm sitting down with Chris Tulock from Wizards of the Coast, who is pretty much in charge of the RPGA support. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about how the RPGA and Saga go together. And to start with, I'd like to ask Chris, um, what does the RPGA have planned at Gen Con? Well, we have uh, a couple of events planned at Gen Con for Star Wars. Uh, first of all, we have our Rebel Run, which is kind of like the Dungeons & Dragons uh, delve that we have. Uh, it's basically a very short play experience where you uh, run through a, uh, a, a, a Imperial base and, uh, and try and get as far as you can to escape with the, with the, with the uh, plans. Uh, and it's about a 30 to 45 minute uh, play experience. It uh, gives you a taste of the Saga system. It's really good for a new player uh, that's just gotten some familiarity by playing a demo, perhaps, or maybe playing an, in a session or two of Star Wars Saga. And then we also have um, a uh, new adventure uh, that is that is being uh, written for specifically for the show, um, and it is The Betrayal of Darth Revan, which is a uh, uh, KOTOR, a Knights of the Old Republic-themed uh, adventure. It'll be using... Uh, characters and uh, background material from the KOTOR setting and uh, that's a full play experience it's about four hours long um, and uh, we're having one of uh, our contractors that uh, works with uh, Star Wars R&D uh, write that one so it should be really fun. Wow sounds like there's pretty good support Gen Con. Where do you see the future of RPGA and Saga going at this time? Well uh, that's a really good question. Um, so what I see for Star Wars and, and the RPGA is certainly uh, we'd like to continue support um, with the Star Wars Saga system um, as, of course, uh, we have a full slate of products planned, you know, through 2008, 2009, you know, so we're, we're definitely uh, on board to uh, support the, uh, the R&D side as much as we can and, and, and support those products. Um, we started off with uh, support with the Dawn of the Defiance campaign by uh, allowing folks to sanction it and report it uh, for RPGA credit. Uh, very soon after the Dawn of Defiance campaign began, we also uh, uh, started putting rewards cards, uh, Star Wars uh, Saga rewards cards, in the rewards mailings, and we'll continue doing that uh, as well. There's two cards every set that are uh, Star Wars focused. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about the Gen Con uh, support that we have and the convention support that we have with the Star Wars Rebel Run. But, you know, certainly in the future, um, depending on uh, play numbers, you know, we, we may decide to, uh, to take that a step further and, and do something that's a little bit more akin to what Living Force has done in the past. Um, we'll have to see uh, basically, you know, how Dawn of Defiance does. Uh, and so if you like 
you know, playing Star Wars Saga and, you, and you'd like to see more of it in the RPGA, play Dawn of Defiance, make sure you report your results, and uh, all that uh, gets fed into our database, and we, we pull those numbers and take a look at the, the growth of the, uh, of the campaign, and if it's doing well, uh, we may decide to go further. All right, there you have it, Gamer Nation, straight from Chris Tulock at Wizards of the Coast. If you guys want to see some more saga in the RPGA, it's time to get out and be playing some Dawn Defiance and make sure you register it. Again, this is Vader Sun reporting for the D20 Network, Radio Network, and the Order 66 podcast. Look at that, he even closed it. Wow, what a guy. I'm impressed, dude. Vader Sun, Duncan, thank you, man. That was awesome. And, you know, there's been a lot of grumblings. You know, a lot of us who have been RPGA players and uh, and GMs for a really long time, we remember the glory that was the Living Force Camp setting, you know. And uh, a lot of people were saying, oh, are they going to bring it back? Are they going to bring it back? And that's been the answer. Well, maybe. And it depends on the response for the system and Dawn of Defiance. So right. if you guys haven't played Dawn of Defiance, man, it's an awesome set of modules. I mean, they're long, too. I mean, you can usually get maybe two, maybe three sessions out of a module. And um, yep, get out there, play them, register them. We man, it'd be great to get something like Living Force back. That that would be that would be great. Yes. So, but that's totally awesome. Thank you so much again, Duncan. We really, really appreciate it. That's ah, that's that's so cool. I'm I'm just I got a big old grin on my face right now. I know. And now I can't wait for Gen Con where we will have full presence with Mr. Yeah. GM Chris, and then uh, obviously Radio Free Hamlet will be out there yeah. carrying the press credentials. Of the D20 Radio Network. I like how he put D20 Radio <laughs> Network on the end of it, but, you know. Yes, it's very yeah. nice, very nice. What do you say we do a little fun stuff? I think fun stuff is fun, and we should do more fun things because they're fun. All right, well, here you go. And now, Dark Thoughts with Twi'lek Goodness. Sometimes I wonder, even though he's missing part of his body, if Darth Vader would still be good in bed. This has been Dark Thoughts with Twi'lek Goodness. See, she had to go there, didn't she? (laughs) (laughs) Well, TG, if you like your, uh, if you like your men, um, you know, Burn victims, you know, with the uh, pasty skin and uh, modulated voices. I think, um, you know, the answer to that is 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 varied. Uh, speaking of modulated voices, did you uh, by chance get down to the post office? Oh, yes, I did, and I do happen to have in my hands a postcard from Commander Cody. Ah, yes, look at this. This is odd. Look at it. That's very strange. Primitive. Uh, well, well, Gamer Nation. This, uh, yeah, this is a very, a very primitive-looking postcard. It, it's made from some type of of hand-woven textile spun from what looks like a a combination of of plant matter and and fur. And the carefully stamped letters on it read, "We feel you will enjoy our textiles, strangers. Take as much as you can, and come back to Kushiba soon." From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Chris and GM Dave, This week I'm in a very odd place. 
The Emperor's continual search for Force-sensitive beings to train in the ways of the Dark Jedi has caused a slight detour on our journey back from the Unknown Regions. We've come to a primitive world on the Outer Rim, which the Star Shards label as Kushaba. Our initial explorations were frustrating, as no sentient life seemed to exist here, but the Emperor insisted. Eventually, after fighting our way through a ravenous pack of three-meter-tall predators, we were confronted by what I thought was a small group of animals. With fur that changed color before our eyes, the little beings walked on all fours, reminded me of the laboratory rabbits we dissected in my early years of clone training. But, to our surprise, these intelligent aliens, the Kushaban, seemed to have a primitive culture, living in crude huts and weaving textiles from local silkweed and fur brushed from themselves. The Emperor soon discovered the creature he was sensing was among the furry little folk, as well as several others who were weakly sensitive to the Force. Not surprisingly, the Emperor didn't feel the Kushaban would provide the proper look for a Sith, so we're leaving. I've been ordered to put the Kushaban village to flame, but, well, I just can't. These things are too cute. And what the Emperor doesn't know, it doesn't hurt him. Well, this is Commander Cody, signing off. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. I don't know. He's not following regulation. He's not following procedure. That's interesting. Now, you know, I've heard that clones, you know, when they live long enough, they start to, you know, defer a little from their, you know, their their base uh, hardwiring, I guess you could say. Yeah, well, maybe he's developing a little bit of a heart. Well. I wouldn't go that far. No, I wouldn't go that far. But uh, in any event, Cody, I'm, I'm really glad that you decided, you know, to leave the Kushabans alone. They're they're pretty freaking cute little things, and um, and uh, you know, you don't want to you don't want to get a DSP, dude. That's it, right. It would be bad. It would be bad. So <laughs> let's move on. All let's right, move on. Come back. Pay attention. It's time for mail call. Now that some you stepped all over that. Sorry. Gosh. <laughs> Drop monkey over there firing it off. Pow. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. Well, we got some mail. Um, one of our posters, uh, Douglas N., uh, emailed me with an excellent question. Uh, he said, uh, Dear GM Chris and GM Dave, I'll make this short. Now, we know that in Saga, um, a Noble 3 can be a Jedi, and a Jedi 2 can be a, a droid. <laughs> uh, is that different with prestige classes in any way? Uh, is it different with the high prestige classes, like Jedi Master? Well, the reason I'm asking is this. Well, over on the Watsi forums, there are sometimes huge debates around questions like, well, was Jason Solo a Jedi Master already? Why does he have to be a knight? Or else he could use Serenity and everything would be fine. Uh, what's wrong with just statting him Jedi Master and saying he's a knight in the game? It would be oddly inconsequential if the simple rule that names of classes don't have anything to do with the in-universe function or title wouldn't be applied to prestige classes. Sometimes it shows even in your podcast when you're talking about the crime lord. When you first point out the wealth of talents one could cover, I immediately thought, control, control, I must learn control. It's not powerful in a combat situation, but if you want this kind of yogi Jedi who can control his blood and make his skin as hard as stone and cleanse himself of poisons, that's where I'd be. But then you said, it's not for the Jedi. Something similar came up with the Bounty Hunter. So, what is it? Thanks, Douglas Ann. Well, this is a good question, Doug. Um, I want to clarify a couple things. Okay, when we make recommendations, such as saying, well, that's not for the Jedi, uh, we, we don't necessarily mean a member of the Jedi Order. We mean a character with levels in the Jedi class. Sort of mechanical conflict, not, not role-playing things. Uh, these are two very different concepts. I mean, this is no different than saying, Dave, the gunslinger, that, that's just not for the noble, man. 
It doesn't mean someone of noble blood doesn't make a gunslinger. It just means that the two classes, that class and that prestige class, don't mesh well together. And that's all we meant when we were talking about the crime lord and, and the force adept and whatnot. And that's just our analysis. Um, now, now, as to your specific question, we've said before that we don't care for the labels that many of the classes and the prestige classes get. I would love it if the Jedi class was simply renamed Lightsaber Force Dude, okay? That way people maybe could dissociate levels in the class with actually being a Jedi, and vice versa. And yes, I feel the same goes for prestige classes. Um, I think the Crime Lord is a great example. I can see a righteous person, especially an intelligence officer or a spy for the Rebellion or the Republic, in that role very easily. Uh, The name of the class can be very, very, very misleading. So that's my opinion on that. Oh, what else, Dave? We got a, uh, a forum post from a listener, a uh, Jedi healer, that I thought was simple but very good question that could open up a lot of possibility for players and GMs, so I wanted to cover it. Uh, he posted, What happened to the MedCorp AgriCorp during the dark times? Were they left alone because they were service organizations as opposed to the regular Jedi Order? Were they assimilated by the New Order? Were they hunted down like the Jedi in Order 66? This is an excellent question. Now, Dave, were you, I know you're not a huge EU reader. Were you familiar with the MedCorps or the AgriCorps? Well, I would say that my answer is a resounding uh, negatory. <laughs> well, for those who don't know, and there's a lot of people who don't, um, or those who aren't familiar with this piece of the EU puzzle, uh, the Jedi Service Corps uh, existed during the time of the Old Republic um, as a place for, for Jedi students to go if they were like never selected by a master to become a Padawan. I mean, you know, like younglings brought into the order by Jedi, I mean, they may not fully develop into powerful beings, I mean, enough to to warrant the title of Jedi. Or maybe they simply went uh, unappreciated or or, or unapprenticed by the usual age. So this This was occasionally. This um, wasn't necessarily the kid that was still standing on the fence after they picked the baseball team. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And I mean, occasionally it was due to like a physical or a mental inability um, or maybe an unusual mindset or just other hindrances, sometimes just simply bad luck uh, that prevented a Padawan's apprenticeship. Um, But I mean, you know, you weren't just assigned to a master. You had to be chosen. And if you weren't chosen, uh, such individuals would usually be placed, depending on their talents, in a branch of the Jedi Service Corps. And these branches included the Agricultural Corps, uh, which tended in the aiding and harvesting of Republic crops, the Medical Corps, which tended to the infirm and the sick beings in the galaxy, uh, the educational core, which devoted itself to providing free educations to the children of the galaxy, and the exploration core, which devoted itself to exploring the unknown reaches and uh, introducing and expanding the Republic to new Ooh. worlds. Um, very cool. Uh, as to your question, Jedi Healer, um, all branches of the service corps were headquartered in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Okay? As such, I quite imagine that most were utterly wiped out by Order 66. I mean, these are trained Force users we're talking about, many of them with lightsabers, okay, that were inured in the waves of the Jedi Code. They would be somewhat of a threat, at the very least, a reminder of the Old Order, okay? Now, we do know also from documented material that after the formation of the Galactic Empire and the Great Jedi Purge, Emperor Palpatine rounded up all of the Agricorps members. Um, they were taken to Biss, along with a bunch of other Force-sensitive people captured during the Clone Wars, where the most worthy ones among them were trained as Dark Jedi. The non-worthy ones were disposed of by Darth Vader. Uh, as there's no official mention of what could have happened to the other branches of the Jedi Service Corps, but the possibilities are narrow. Um, however, and this has really sparked my interest in this question, and, and uh, why I brought it up, 
the understanding of the existence of the Jedi Service Corps and its members could lead to some wonderful game design and some character storylines. I mean, I, I can just imagine like a, a far-flung Exploration Corps member or a Medical Corps healer that managed to escape Order 66 and go into hiding. Um, so for those who may want to play an adult Jedi during the Rebellion era, I mean, that's a perfect peg to hang your character background on. Yep. Yeah, so just a thought. Um, very cool. And uh, thank you so much for bringing that up to us, uh, Jedi Healer. We appreciate it. Heck yeah, baby. Hey, yeah. Well, what do you say, Dave? You want to suspend some rules? Mm, you like going to. Oh, never mind. Chancellor, request a motion to suspend the rules. You're gonna suspend the rules? Shut up, Shut up. Motion granted. Alright. Well, Dave, we got a couple good house rules to share uh, today. Right. Um, one of which, this first one, man, this actually, this came up um, in our j game yesterday. Um, you know, we said we couldn't uh, yes. do it. Is it Destiny Point Hard? <laughs> Is it Destiny Point Hard? Yes. Um, and uh, this r house rule was suggested by Asok Yizrim um, on the forums. And it, by the way, if you guys have a house rule that you want to post up to share with the Gamer Nation and the rest of the community, and we might even cover it here on the show, you can, of course, go to d20radio.com slash forum. We have a section specifically for your house rules. Uh, but Asak Yizrim and his home group have adopted and suggested the simple house rule of allowing a heroic character to spend a destiny point to automatically roll a natural 20 on a skill check. And uh, this came up in our game, Dave. Mm. Um, now, currently per raw, you can only spend a destiny point to get a nat 20 on an attack roll. Um, Asak's justification is that in a proper game, a single skill check can often be as crucial, um, i.e. destiny-altering, <laughs> as an attack. And so that's yeah. why he allows it. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Dave? I have... I don't like it. Um, I, I just... One... Okay, two schools of thought for me. One, I haven't met a skill check yet that was absolutely that important for me to spend a destiny point on, except to get all my force powers back ah now that that's the kind of the crucial thing for me too man now i like this rule i think it's neat my only concern though is that it would allow i mean use the force as a skill check <laughs> so if you could spend the destiny point to get a 20 on your use the force check it would allow a character to roll that nat 20 and would effectively allow a first level character to spend the destiny point and replicate serenity uh, which is a 13th level jedi master ability um, like you say, man, spend the destiny point. Return all your spent force powers to your suite, um, which is very worth spending a destiny point, in my opinion. Uh, but a little, perhaps a little overpowered for you know a low level character. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but that's my only concern. But uh, other than that, I think it's a fantastic house rule. And if you, especially if you don't have any force users in your game, I think it's warrantable and and very usable and uh, uh, a cool option. So, I don't know. I'd, I'd house rule it maybe that all all skill checks, is, with the exception of that one. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, but it's just one more option out there. So right. uh, an excellent suggestion, and uh, thank you, ASOC, for sharing it. Uh, the second house rule we're going to talk about uh, is some new destinies. Now, uh, the many 
many well-done house rules uh, created by one of our own moderators on the forum, Donovan Morningfire. Who really wasn't uh, the, fired. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was not fired um, for posting a snarky comment on the forums. But uh, yeah, pretty good. But I, I think, Dave, I think he knows that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Donovan, uh, his house rules, man, they, they cover the gamut of the entire game. Um, but one of my favorites, and we've covered several of his before. One of my favorites is the four new destiny choices that Dono has created. Um, he created four new destinies that are in his house rules. The destinies of creation. Heroic self-sacrifice, romance, and self-awareness. And Ooh. I want to talk about the pair of these that are my own favorites, but I would encourage you all to go check out all four of them, which are in Donovan Morningfire's House Rule document, which is posted on the forums. Um, let's talk about the creation destiny, Dave. I really like this one. I felt this was one that when I first read it, when Dono wrote it up, I was like, dude, how could they have missed this in the book? This is just kind of basic. This is something I felt was really missing. I mean, they have destruction in there. Right. Uh, but not creation. Basically, you are destined to create something that will have an impact on the future of the galaxy, for better or for worse. Uh, it could be a weapon, a building, a group, a relic, such as a holocron, or even a person. Uh, examples of this include Darth Krait founding the New Sith Order, or Shmi Skywalker giving birth to Anakin. Uh, the destiny bonus and penalty are a plus one or minus one uh, to all skill and ability checks for 24 hours. And fulfilling this destiny increases two ability scores of your choice by plus one each. Nice. Yeah. And I got a soft spot. I Honestly, I think, Dono, my, my favorite destiny that he created, just because I'm, I'm a big old softy, is the romance destiny. Uh, which is that your your star is destined to be crossed with another's, fated to fall hopelessly, passionately, and maybe even tragically in love with another person. Uh, the classic example of this, of course, is Han Solo and Princess Leia, uh, while the doomed romance of Anakin Skywalker and Padme Amidala would be a more tragic example of this. And I think this is just great for especially a good heavy role-playing game. This could be a lot of fun. Uh, the destiny bonus and penalty for the romance destiny are a plus one or a minus one to all attack rolls for 24 hours. And fulfilling this destiny allows you and your destined lover to increase one ability score of your choice by plus one each. Which is uh, pretty nifty. Huh. Yeah, but I don't know. I thought those were kind of cool. And uh, if you guys uh, get a chance to pop over to the forums and uh, check out Donovan Morningfire's full uh, House Rules document, he's got a version 1.1 that just came out. Uh, check out the other two, uh, Heroic, Success, Self Heroic Self-Sacrifice and Self-Awareness. They're pretty freaking cool. Today. That's right. Skynet achieved self-awareness at one point in time, and then the world ended. Well, it didn't end. It came close to ending. That was no, kind of the point. It didn't end. Yeah, yeah. I guess it was. it was. I wonder if you could bring Skynet into Star Wars. Terminated. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, Mr. Smith, uh, one of our f more prolific uh, community posters, uh, he reminds me of, uh, of a Terminator. So uh, I think that, I think that could be doable. Uh, HK47, you know. I guess. Statement: Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, speaking of crazy game happenings. Um, Gosh, we haven't done one of these in a while, Dave. No, we haven't, and let's get right to it. When good games go bad. Yes! When good games go bad. Oh, man. We're going to talk today about the irate player and the DSP. Um, this was posted up on the forums by one of our listeners, uh, Heart of Geo, MK2, Mark II, um, on the forums. And he posts thusly. Here's a good one. 
my friend and a player in my game loves to drive me crazy, but can usually keep the game rolling along. We differ in political views completely, but I won't mention that since I would ask for a big old plus one Vorpal ban hammer. <laughs> yes, it would. Thank you. Um, whilst in a Yuzen Vong prisoner ship, my player, a Jedi, is ordered to kill one prisoner or else ten others will be killed. Now, there were many more options available at the time to prevent railroading, but my player decides to take the former, and he neatly slices off the head of a refugee. I immediately say to myself, dark side score plus one, but my player gets pissed off. Why? Because his personal beliefs determine that the ends justify the means. An interesting concept in the Star Wars galaxy. He says that he acted without anger to save a greater number of people. I weighed this against the fact that he used the first resort, overlooking any other options, and he killed an innocent sentient being, which would undoubtedly strengthen the dark side. My player refuses to mark the dark side increase, and to save the game, I let it go. The main point here is, how do you play around an external concept of philosophy? One may say that I should never again create a situation like the one presented, but to eliminate such juicy, ho juicy hostage situations is to eliminate a major issue in the Yuzhen Vong War, uh, such as when the Alliance uh, had to fire uh, through refugee ships, the Battle of Mon Calamari, and the Battle of uh, Yuzentar. Ultimately, it's my call, I know, but it is also my responsibility to keep the game running. How do I stop this good game from going bad? Ah. Wow, that's a really good one, Gio. Kobayashi um, Maru right there, brother. Oh, man. This is the heart, I think, Dave, and maybe you'll agree with me, of the most common GM player problem in this game. So, so let's talk about it. All right, Gio, by your own admission, you may have railroaded the player just a bit. Creating a no-win scenario, putting your player in a position to fail. Okay. But maybe you didn't. Okay, we don't know the full story. But there are, honestly, I think, some real deeper things going on here that both you and your player need to look at. Okay? Now, I've already expressed myself on the forums, so let me reiterate a few things and add a couple other suggestions as well. Okay? First and foremost, in the future, and I, I say this generally speaking, in my experience, giving your players enough rope to hang themselves is usually a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Um, because they're not going to see any alternative but to hang themselves. And then they'll do it, and then they'll blame you. Um, I don't know the specifics of how you presented the options to him, but it may not have been clear to that player that there was a third option. Um, from his actions, it sounds like there wasn't. Okay. Next, as a player or a GM, and this is really where the heart of your question comes in, your personal beliefs or your political beliefs should rarely, if ever, have anything to do with your game, all right? If this guy is not able to dissociate his own personal beliefs from his make-believe character's actions in a Star Wars role-playing game, that that's a bigger problem. <laughs> that's, a, that's a BFG, actually. Pretty much. So in light of that, he sounds like an intelligent fellow. I don't really don't think this was an issue of a moral stance. I think he was just finding a creative way to whine about getting a DSP, and it worked because you didn't give him one. Now, your player has learned he can do this with anything in your game. So, bottom line, dude, you don't need to debate whether this was DSP-worthy or not. You don't need to justify your decision beyond what you did or convince him. There is no debate. You hand out the DSPs. You make the decision. End of debate. All right. Now, granted, it's important he understand why. And it seems, though, that you made that clear. You don't hand out DSPs without explanation. You let him know why you did it. All right. But after that, if he's not happy with your decision, well, well 
he can find another GM if he's not happy with it. And don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Bottom line. So this is tough, man. If he's a friend, especially, asking someone to leave your table, that, you know, is not an easy thing. But you are the GM. That's Bottom right. line, man. You made a call. Your player didn't want to play it. I mean, you tell me, he refused to mark the DSP increase on his sheet? Are you fracking kidding me? Pussy. Ugh. How to handle this. All right, man. I think you need to sit down with your player privately. Okay, now this is very important. Privately, yeah, you do yeah. not want to call him out in front of the rest of your group. This happens anytime you have a situation like this because your player will just get pissy and defensive just to save face in front of the others. All right, call him, go see him. Okay, you need to bring up the fact one on one that you didn't push the issue at the table because it wasn't important enough to cause a scene and you respect him too much for that. I mean, this is a Frelin RPG for Java's sake. All right, but now you want to talk about it. Okay. You need to tell him. It doesn't matter if he agrees with the DSP or not. This is your game. The force doesn't care about your personal beliefs. All right? you, you put a lot of yourself into this game. And as the GM, you decide what the force affects, what it does not, where the DSPs go, and where they don't. Your rulings stand. If he's not comfortable with your game and your decisions, he's free to find a game he doesn't have a problem with. Yep. And that's the bottom line. But honestly, man, sit down with the guy and be honest with him. Talk to him in an upfront manner. His political views, his personal views, they're his, and they affect his actions. You know, if they would, if he'd like his role-playing character to have the same actions, that's great. But from a role-playing aspect, the force doesn't care about your personal beliefs, um, right? And you, you, you make that determination. You're the GM, so right. That's what I recommend, dude. And this is a tough situation. It's a thorny one. I have unfortunately experienced it a couple times myself. Um, and that's really the only way you can deal with it, man. It sounds like you dealt with it well at the time. Quite frankly, it is not worth disrupting the game to argue with a player in the middle of the session. So kudos to you for that. I think that was a wise course of action. That's right. But right. it doesn't preclude, say, me, for example, um, from coming in from a third-party observer standpoint and saying that it sounds like there's some other issues going on. Besides yeah. just this, yeah. you know, I mean, granted, if your player or yourself, for that matter, I'm not going to completely take the GM side just because I happen to be one. Um, no, if you or your player cannot check your ego at the door, then there's really no point. You know, this, this is true. And gamers tend to have pretty big, hairy, sweaty egos, I will say. Right, um, but you got to you know. get over it, and I mean, if if it went down the way it did go down, and your player didn't seek other options, I mean, there were there were, you know, how were the people going to die, for example, you know, I mean, how how you know what what were the lay, what was the layout of the room? Were they outnumbered a hundred to one? Were they outnumbered four to one? I mean, do you have the ability to use a four slam? What what? There's there's got to be something. Can you move light object, you know, or move object on the guy that, that that's about to kill somebody? Yeah, I don't know. There there had to be some other options. And so if there were other options that the player didn't consider, and then he complained, well, yeah, he's being a pussy. He absolutely needs to get the DSP, and he needs to like it, pretty much, or at least be comfortable with getting it. But I mean, you know, we're not going to know the specific situation. The bottom line, even if it was horrible, and that's the thing. This goes for the player side too. Even if it was not worthy of a DSP, even if it was not worthy of it, you made the call. He needs to accept it. And if he doesn't like it, he needs to leave the game. That's his decision. As a player, if you got a problem with the way your DMs or GM is running the game, and you don't like how DSPs are being handed out, you let him know about it. If he persists, 
and doesn't see your point of view, that's fine. Leave the game. Don't be a baby about it. Don't take your ball and go home. I refuse to mark it on my sheet. Give me a bracket break. Anyway, um, I don't know this man. He could be very cool. So I don't want to. I'm sorry. I don't mean to diss anyone. Oh, he could be 14. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's just kind of kind of how we see it. Right. And you can complain to us and call us uh, total uh, choto heads and uh, and uh, and frelin losers if you would like uh, by going to the forums and posting your mind or giving us a call and doing it in person. We would very much like that. Absolutely. Call me a chowderhead, please. <laughs> and you guys have things. any other when good games go bad segments, any difficult rules adjudication questions or sticky situations in game that you'd like us to analyze with disgustingly uh, filthy fat beard combs, uh, we, can, we, we can do it. And uh, we would be happy to do it. Do it. Do it now. Yes. All right. Well, shall we move on, Dave? Indeed. I'm going to reuse this interview bed because I haven't made up a new um, musical bed for underneath this gaming guide for younglings. I don't think they care, but that's uh, okay. They probably don't care. So I'm just gonna... I know you do. Perfectionist. Yeah, you know. That's just the way it goes. So, we'll do it again, and I will attempt to play this audio over the top of it, <laughs> and I don't really know how good it'll do. This is our first attempt at mobile podcasting rig itch. Yes. So, we'll see. This is... Um, I mean, in response to a lot of requests. A lot of requests. I mean, we've gotten dozens and dozens of emails and forum posts um, asking us to really go over the basics. I mean, a real ground-level look um, at just basic character creation, and we're going to start. And uh, we've asked uh, one of our, one of, I've asked one of my own players um, in one of my current games to help with this, and she was gracious enough to do so. That's right. You'll recognize the name right off the top, somebody who belongs to our forum. Her name would be Kat. K-A-T. You want to go ahead and play it now? Yeah, let's see what she's got to say. All right, let's go. Well, hey, Kat. Hey. Well, thanks for coming on the show with us today. Um, we're taking this opportunity, I guess, to really educate some of our listeners uh, who are really trying to get into the game and learn some of the basics. And we're going to talk about one of the fundamentals. Now, I know you're a fairly new player. You haven't been playing too long, right? That's correct. I'm in my second campaign right now. Cool. Are you liking it so far? Awesome, of course. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I remember when we first went through your character building together, we talked about a lot of stuff. And uh, one of the big things we first dealt with was, of course, your ability scores and uh, assigning them and creating them. Yes. And so we're going to kind of talk about that today. And you and I are going to go through together and uh, talk about the next character that you want to build. All right. Sounds great. At least the first part of it. Um, so what are you thinking about? I mean, because like, I know I'm starting a new home game soon, and you were wanting to be in it. I mean, what kind of Star Wars character were you thinking about making? Uh, well, of course, I always love the Jedi. Of course. They're so iconic. So um, let's work with that. Okay. Well, uh, with that essence, that's kind of where you want to start off. I mean, of course, you guys want to get a feel for what type of character you want to make, the role you want to fill, and, of course, the class you're going to go with, and that's going to play a big role. Now, Jedi often suffer, and this is one of the big things to think about, from what they call MAD, or Mutual Attribute Dependency, or uh, there's several other <laughs> definitions for the acronym, but basically what it means is that Jedi have to have a lot of abilities really high. Well, if you're not rolling, if you're using a point-by system, which we recommend, um, that can be a little hard. So we really need to quantify where you want your Jedi to go. Are you wanting the Jedi to be more of a, a melee combatant, a lightsaber user, a, a force user? Or what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm thinking force user. Um, that's what I tend to prefer. So um, it's definitely going to present some mad opportunity there. 
All right. Well, we'll see if we can't get it out, uh, get it started out a little bit. Okay. Now we're going to go with a, a standard, uh, a standard point buy here of 25 points, which is what's recommended in the book. And uh, of course, you spend 25 points to increase one of your ability scores from eight up to a specific number. Now, for a force user, obviously, I mean, what do you think your most important ability scores are going to be? Um, wisdom and charisma. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, I mean, mostly, now, this is the real question. Do you want to know a lot of force powers, or do you want to use the force powers you know really well? Um, I'm of the opinion to know more is better. Okay. <laughs> so we're probably going to want to pump your wisdom up there pretty high then. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's easy enough. Um, well, if we take our 25 points and we just shave off, oh gosh, 10 of them right away, all right, we can pump your wisdom up to a 16. Okay. Right? Now, that means when you take first training, you're, you're immediately going to learn four force powers, you know, one plus the three for your wisdom modifier. Excellent. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So if you're going for that force wizard build, it's a pretty, uh, pretty stout way of going about doing it. Um, now... In terms of your, your lightsaber combat, I mean, are you going to be doing any of that at all, or is that going to be kind of more of a dumpy stat for you? Um, I probably don't want to make it my dump stat, but it's not necessarily something I want to be extra good at. I just want to be able to defend myself um, and have some proficiency, but not necessarily be the best lightsaber user ever. Okay, well, that works. All right, well, let's, let's, let's say we move your strength to a 12. Does that sound pretty good? I mean, that'll give you a plus one, you know, to hit. You can carry a few things, too. Yeah, that'll work. That'll cost us four points. That brings our total to 14 out of 25. Now, as far as your dexterity, it's less important because you're not much of a ranged fighter, but it is kind of important for your, uh, you know, your reflex defense, um, which, you know, you, you know, you don't get to wear armor, obviously. Yeah. And you don't get much of a, of a class bonus being a Jedi, only a plus one. Okay. So, um... Let's say, what do you think we should bump it to? Um, uh, maybe, well, what's more expensive, like an 11 or? Well, 11's cheap. That's only three points. But for four, we can bump it up to a 12. For six, we can bump it up to a 14, give you a plus two. Huh. But that's your call. We'd and be... what do we have left? Uh, well, we are looking currently at 11 points left to spend. Okay. Um, yeah, let's make it a 12 then. Okay, we'll do a 12. Um, well, that's four points, uh, which will leave us with seven left okay, okay. to spend. And we've still got Constitution, Intelligence, and, uh, and we're, we're, we're pretty much, and Charisma, of course. We're, yeah. And we're pretty much set in that regard. Now, in terms of your, your Constitution, you get pretty decent hit points. You get a D10. Yeah. It's not as important, I don't think. I mean, obviously, it'll affect your fortitude defense and whatnot. But, I mean, what do you think, like another 12, maybe? Um, or you want to go lower? Yeah, maybe just an 11, because don't I have some ability increases... Yeah, as you go. You're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, at fourth level, you're going to get to increase two of your stats by one point each. So if you have some odd numbers, you'll get it bumped up. And, and Saga's retroactive. So you'll gain hit points for those previous levels you've taken. Oh, cool. Which is very cool. So, okay, you're right. Let's leave it at 11. So three out of our remaining seven points. Um, that'll leave us with four points left to divvy up between intelligence and charisma. Now, we could make both of those a 10, two points apiece. And you'd have a 10 intelligence and a 10 charisma. Okay. Now, it's kind of up to you. One of these may want to be your dump of your stat. Jedi don't have a whole lot of skills, so intelligence can be kind of important. But then again, charisma is your use the force stat. So yeah. what do you think you want to do with it? Well, that would impact all of my force powers that we spent points for wisdom on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, 
I, I hate to say it, but yeah, I'd rather spend it on charisma than intelligence. Okay, well, you want to leave intelligence at an eight then? Yeah, yeah, let's plan to leave it at an eight. And, okay. and spend the remaining four on your charisma? Yeah. Easy enough. So we're left with a 12 in charisma. We got your 16 in wisdom. Excellent. And uh, your little uh, dumpy intelligence is an eight, so you're not too bright, but uh, uh, that's okay. You're one with the living force. I'm, I'm wise. I'm not smart. Yes, yes. And I'm sure Master Yoda would agree with that. And uh, we've got your constitution at a, at, a, at a pretty even 10. Yeah. And uh, we had your dexterity at a 14. And your strength at a 12, which should let you carry some stuff and do be a little bit of melee combatant at that. You pretty happy with this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like the kind of character I want to play, so it works well, there, for me. There you go. But, of course, the most important thing is to analyze what roles your character wants to play. I mean, honestly, if you're playing like a melee Jedi, this may not be as important to you. I mean, if we had Dave making his, uh, his Wookiee, uh, Jedi, you know, charisma and wisdom, you know, he only knows one or two force powers at most, <laughs> and he can't use them very well, but when he hits you with a lightsaber, it's going to hurt. And so that's kind of where we need to start out with that. Well, I think we've got a good basis here, and from here we can move on, pick a race, and maybe we'll modify these stats after the fact, unless you're going human, of course, you know, well, which you may want to do for the, the bonus feat. Very possible. But uh, I think we got a good base here. And so from here, we can go on and plan the rest of your character. But All right. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us about this and uh, give our listeners a bit of insight as to how you've picked your stats. Well, you're very welcome. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Kat. Welcome. Well, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And by the way, Kat, thanks for taking the time to do that. Uh, she was so nervous. Um, <laughs> I know. About it. But, um, yeah, I really enjoy having her at my table. She um, had never even picked up a role-playing game until about you guys, oh, uh, treat injury? last year um, at, at that point. And uh, she's, you know, about uh, in, her, in her second Star Wars campaign right now and uh, is just loving it. Great player to have at my table. Yep. Very cool. Well, with that, guys, the key things we really want you to take away from that is that when it comes to assigning stats, I mean, it's kind of a really thoughtful process, and there's a little bit of balance and a little bit of give and take. Um, but most importantly, analyze not only your class, but the role that you want to take within the class, because every class has different options they can take. Um, and you want to pad your abilities based on the type of actions you want to take. Strength for a melee fighter, dexterity for a ranged fighter, intelligence for a skillful character, wisdom and charisma for force users, constitution for the meat shields. Um, and it just pays to think about those things. So there's a little bit of introductory insight into uh, proper ways to build your stats. Yeah. Well, Dave, um, I God, I'm really... Um, I'm actually kind of scared and worried to even attempt it this week. I mean, this will be the, I mean, God, for two weeks now. I mean, and he cashed my, he cashed another check of mine, by the way. Yeah. Um. I mean, are we even going to try to get a hold of this Yahoo? I suppose we can try. One. I. I uh, you don't want to. I, I don't know, man. I think I, I got, I got a bad feeling about this thing. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I. Why don't we try it? I'll try it. And I'm not. I'm not even going to give him. Like a ten-minute hook, oh, ten-second hook. Well, um, oh, okay. I, I guess we can we can give it a try. All right, we'll give it a shot, and uh, hopefully he got our communique that we're a day we are a day late this time. So I'll give, maybe I'll give him twenty seconds. All right. Well, maybe not. All right, TK four two one, good buddy. Uh, breaker, breaker, good buddy. CQ, CQ, TK four two one. Well, how you doing, hosers? How the hell y'all been? Well, 
What a guy. <laughs> it's good to talk to you all, man. It's been a little while. It's about bloody time. You cashed our checks and you no-showed us two weeks in a row, punk. What do you got oh, to say I'm for yourself? Sorry, I was in a fire zone, man. I couldn't really call out, man. I tried once and my, my CO bit my head off. Literally, he, he's a he's a man totally insane. But I had it reattached over at the uh, at the medical tent, and uh, you know it hurts a little bit, but you know, at least my helmet fits again. All right. Well. Yeah. Well, oh man, it, it's been it's been crazy, man. It's been absolutely wild and crazy. I'm gonna tell you what, man. We're on geonosis, man. Ah, uh, yeah. We've been here for a couple weeks, man, digging out some of them insectoid scum, son, man. They're, they're just, you know, these old old, old separatist, you know, scumbags thinking they, we owe them something, you know, or something like that. And, yeah. And we're, we're here just laying down the imperial law. Good for you. I'll tell you, man, but whew, we had the heck of a time, man. These boys got some weaponry, sons, but worst thing they got, man, these suckers can throw a grenade, man. They can <laughs> throw hard and fast and long, man. You know, I got one of them, uh, one of them, you know, uh, grenade launchers. You seen these things, boy? Oh, yeah, baby. We love it. Man, put, yeah, put it right on my carbine, man, and I can fire off a grenade, man. I can I can bullseye a womp rat, man, I swear. But these suckers, they do it pretty good, man. And they got no fear, man. They will run right at you, fly at you, and just prime the grenade as they go, man. They take you with them half the time, man. But, ooh, some of these suckers, man, they just don't seem to get hurt by it the way we do. Yeah, well, you need to evade said attack, sir. Uh, well, yeah. Kind of hard to do that though. I, I I don't have any levels in scout. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, my uh, my my, uh, my my training is not quite up to that level. So uh, okay. Uh, in any event, I'm I'm sorry, man. And you know, I had to cash your checks. You know, I, I I'll make good on it. I I promise. But you know, I you know we were stuck here, and I I really you know I found a barbecue joint down the road, and man, I was just spending every day after you know after getting out of the bunker there, chowing down on this crazy barbecue they got there, man. I didn't ask what it was, but it sure was good. It was Jim and Nick's. Sorry. Uh, I guess. <laughs> I think it was Flabnorb and Bleegox, actually. Oh. If you're down on the Geonosis, man, Flabnorb, man, he, he, he roasted himself up some good, good barbecue. All right. All right, man. Good talking to you, sir. All right, son. Well, listen, I'll talk to you hoser soon. Y'all be good, all right? All right, man. As always. Later, Later. TK. What a guy, man. What God, a guy. I couldn't, I couldn't even talk to him. I was, I was just so angry. I swear. Oh, I know. I know how that is. <laughs> Although, you know, I don't know. Superman, Clark Kent, never in the same place at the same time. Uh, I know not of what you speak. I know not of what you speak, of course. But in any event, he brings us to a good point. The subject of this week's D20 Docking Bay. Ah. Docking Bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. This week's D20 Docking Bay brought to you by Yixak Rabin. <laughs> or Isak Yizrim, oh, the, yeah. uh, the grand who graces our forums rather regularly. And uh, he posted this issue on us on our forums, uh, dealing with evasion and area attacks. And uh, Asak asks, I don't know if this has been asked yet, but recently one of my players playing scout discovered an interesting tactic. 
He carries several grenades, edges into an enemy's square, and drops said grenade. He has evasion, the root of the tactic. This raises several questions for me as the GM. Is he allowed to pull a punch and fudge his roll, essentially lowering his attack? This would allow him to take no damage and leave his enemy to take half damage. Also, can this be combined with grappling? Can he grapple an opponent and, as his attack that he's allowed during a grapple, drop the grenade? Wowza. Oh, um, mercy. Crunchy stuff, Azok. Well, let's take a moment to review the mechanics behind the situation and then delve into your question, okay? Is that right? Yep. Is that right? Okay. Let's talk about area attacks. Now, as covered on page 155 of the Core Rulebook, Area attacks, okay, from weapons or force effects, they target several squares and they can affect multiple foes. Area attacks are made with weapons on auto-fire, which target a 2x2 two two area. Uh, splash weapons, grenades, or force power, such as force slam, which is the only current area attack force power, but in any event. Uh, per the errata, though, and this is important, you must target an intersection of squares with your attack roll, and you must hit against a reflex of 10 just to properly target the area. And if you miss, nothing takes any damage. All right. Failure, it just your attack misses completely. Now, if you hit the reflex defense of 10 and you target the right area, then that same attack roll is compared to the reflex defense of all creatures in that area. Those hit, take full damage. Those you miss, take half damage. And that's kind of the root of the tactic here. Because he has Evasion, which is the scout talent on page 50 of the Core Rulebook, which allows you to take half damage automatically from any area attack and zero damage if the attack misses your reflex defense. So... This means that a scout with evasion could literally drop a grenade next to himself and potentially take no damage from it per raw. However, and now we're going to get to the meat of your question, unlike skill checks, there is no raw mechanic that allows a player to pull their punch or reduce an at- or, or, or reduce a skill check the same way you can with an attack roll. It is what it is. All right. Um, now, with, with skill checks, it says specifically you can do this, especially in terms of use the force checks. You can always take a lower result to activate a lesser ability of that skill or that use the force check, basically. But again, no mechanic for this for attack rolls. It is what it is. So as such, if he's dropping the grenade, quote-unquote, he technically needs to make an attack roll, okay, per raw. Now, he'll only take half damage, okay, at best, assuming he hits himself. He does have evasion. But it's probably enough of a deterrent to prevent it in the future, all right? So have him make the attack roll. Normally, by raw, he can't pull his punch. He can't lower it. You know, he's got a pretty good shot of hurting himself in the process. He probably is not going to want to do that again. Now, as far as grappling goes, a grenade is small enough for him to use it as a weapon in grapple. But considering the nature of a grapple, as a GM, I think you would be perfectly within your rights to say that he loses his reflex bonus to reflex defense from the attack. And I also think you'd well be within well your rights to say that he can't evade while in grapple. I mean, you're grappling. You really don't have full range of body movement there. Okay. None of that's in raw, but, you know, hey, it makes good common sense to me. It seems to follow Kiss. So nipping this in the bud, dude, how do you stop it? Well, we've given you the tools up there. I mean, if you follow raw, technically he can't do this anyway. But uh, if he throws a fit, hey, feed him at his own game. It's metagaming cheese, and I honestly don't recommend it, but hey, throw him up against an NPC with evasion as well, and a higher reflex defense than him. Watch the look on his face when he takes half damage from his own grenade, and his foe takes none. Ah. Priceless. 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 
Well, with that, excellent question, sir. Thank you very much. I hope we've helped clear that up. And if you guys think we're wrong or you want to interject your own opinions, you can do so at d20radio.com slash forums. You can email us at gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. Or you can call us on the Lusa line at 206-600-LUSA. Lusa! Lusa! And, uh, well, man, I think that, that pretty much, I guess, brings an end to our show, doesn't it? It kind of does for about six more days. And then, six more days. Yeah. Yep. We'll have an Great. Independence Day extravaganza on Sunday after Independence Day, that is. It'll be fun. And for those of you who do not live in the U.S. of A, July 4th is uh, supposedly, well, although historically inaccurate, uh, when we all signed a, a big letter that we sent over to the current matriarch of the British Isles um, to say, uh, uh, sorry, we're not paying taxes to you any longer. Um, and then the French helped us win a revolution and, yeah. I don't know how much they helped. They showed up a at lot. the end. <laughs> well, you know, I gotta, I gotta give props to, uh, to you know, we may have helped them out later, but the French did, you know, did, you know, kind of blockade, you know, Britain, you know, for quite some time during the Revolutionary War. So, yeah, they did, and we paid them back in World War One, and all their women got to realize what it felt like to sleep with a winner, especially one that didn't call them Fraulein. You're just going to lay and out. You're gonna on lay that out. note. You're just going to lay out on me. All right. Whatever. <laughs> on that note, thanks a lot, Gamer Nation. We look forward to talking to you guys soon. Peace, love, and good gaming. Keep them dice rolling. This is Charlie. This is Charlie from Burnout Radio on the Performance Radio Network, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Dude, you amaze me. That amazed me too. Very cool. You amaze me. You insult Frenchmen and Germans and French women in one go. Dave, hey. it's never a dull moment with you. <laughs> hey, man, I do my best. Mm, well, your best isn't good enough. Or, yeah. Well, I guess it is. I honestly don't know. I, I don't feel I'm qualified to make that judgment. I don't either. Hey, but you never know, man. You never know. Hey, next week, man, we're going to get the uh, the deal up for our adventure, right? Even though it got cut in half? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have the adventure write up uh, for um, the Alternate Universe campaign, like, tomorrow. <laughs> um, for the form. And we'll, uh, we'll, you know, finish the other half of the adventure we didn't get to finish uh, whenever we play again, along with a whole bunch more that I'm going to add to it, because that's the kind of guy I am. Because that's the way you roll. That's why I roll, but no bonus XP for you. Oh. Well, then I'm not going to show up. Oh, that's fine. I'll play your character, and trust me, you don't want me to DMPC your character. <laughs> Wookie pulls his vibro axe. <laughs>